This is Podcast Radio, I'm Mark Pendergast. And George Clark is famous for his many different TV shows, highlighting his love for architecture, restoration, and, as it says on the show, creating amazing spaces. He started out in Sunderland with a love for building which led him to architecture, which accidentally led him to TV presenting. It was never something he really wanted to do. We discover how he stumbled into TV broadcasting and then developed shows that have been successful the world over. You get a feeling of his warmth and love for all things architecture and building. He's a unique individual who is successful in what he does, which is architecture and the media world as well. This is our interview with George Clark. We're here with George Clark, presenter of the home show, Restoration Man, George Clark's old house, new home, and George Clark's amazing spaces. He's launched a sofa range with Sophology. Now, by the way, that's a company, not an academic course that will be popping to very lazy students at a former polytechnic and now university. How are you, George? I love the idea that Sophology might be a course run at a university. That is brilliant. That I'd never thought of that, mate. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm fantastic, actually. So yeah, very excited. Just launched a new sofa range and I'm chuffed to bits with it, you know? And, and, and sorry about the, all the titles of my programs because they all start with George Clark all the time. I don't know why they put my name in front of every single one of my shows. It's kind of George Clark everything. It's a bit of an overlord, really, isn't it? I should have a word with Channel 4 about that. No, no, keep it on there. Your name's on it, mate. You know, you keep the rights to it. <laughs> it's, it's, stamped. it's just uh, any other George Clark in the country could probably take it, but you know. Yeah, there's probably a few of them, actually. It's probably a fairly common name, George and Clark. Exactly. I mean, I might probably call George Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's not quite that, but it's, it's not too far away. It's not far off, not too far off. But yeah, no, life's good, mate. All really, really good. It's good to talk to you today. I love these numbers that Sophology have given us here. This is, this is the average sofa, the lifetime of the average sofa, okay? So it's a 311 arguments, 286 makeups. Obviously, some of them arguments weren't settled. 316 <laughs> drink spills, 401 sofa naps, 531 film screenings, screenings, 346 lost remotes, 269 nights on the sofa after an argument, 8,508 hours of TV time, and 65 kids scribbles. There's one missing there, George. My favourite one of that is the 260 nights that the sofa's used as a place of refuge. I love that phrase, place of refuge after an argument. I mean, that's quite a lot of nights, isn't it? Even over an eight-year average lifespan of a sofa, for someone to spend 269 nights on the sofa because they're not allowed in bed after a Barney is just, I, I think that's hilarious. It's so good. You've even got some other ones, mate. There's like pet claws. So your pet would dig their claws and, and potentially damage your sofa 488 times over its lifespan. And that your kids might scribble on it 65 times. It's brilliant. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but it just shows, you know, the secret life of a sofa, isn't it? If, if your sofa could talk, you know, if it was a personality in your house, just imagine the stories I could tell because it, it experiences everything, isn't it? I mean, your living room is key space in your house. Your sofa is a key bit of furniture. You know, it kind of, it, it, it sees and hears everything that goes on in your household. So. No, I thought the sofa, the sofa factor just made me laugh. The survey was brilliant. There's one missing though. It's how much cash you find down the back of the sofa. Why wasn't it? <laughs> Do you know what? You just give me, I can't believe you mentioned that. You just give me a flashback. When I was a student in London, I remember there was a day I was really, I was proper broke. I was proper skinned. I literally had no money left. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to have a look down the back of the battered old sofa we had 
and our student digs. And I put my hand down the back and I found a pound coin. And it just so happened there was a little Spanish sandwich shop that I love to go in. And it was a quid. It shows how old I am. It was a quid for them to make a freshly made sandwich at the Spanish shop on the corner. And that got me my lunch that day. So yeah, you've done, that's an amazing flashback that you just generated. Yeah, a pound down the back of the sofa. We should have asked that question in the survey. Definitely. I think we might have to redo it. I think there's also an idea I've got for your next sofa that you made, by the way. Yeah, go it's, on. Instead of, you know, just having it completely sealed off at the back, have like a little slot where the, the money can roll out. So everything that rolls down the back, it, you know, it roll, rolls out. Like sort of like you get your change in a machine from a vending machine like that. So a slot machine sofa? Yeah, Is kind of. Yeah, or some kind, kind of, of piggy bank it could save in, or, you know, there's some kind of thing you could remove that actually has got all those coins in. Actually, mate, a piggy bank sofa's genius. You should be in the sofa business. That's a great idea. Could you imagine? When you think, because you've got that space inside the sofa, haven't you, that little zone? It could be like a little piggy bank and that you put your savings in. That's genius. I might do that for the next range. Yeah, and it could be something as well that maybe separates out the toenails and bits of dead skin. That people oh, so mate, like, don't mention that. Come on, oh, everybody horrible. puts those. He didn't mention that in the... the everybody's <laughs> throwing all kinds of detritus from their body down the back of the sofa. I, de- I definitely skimmed over that one, mate. No doubt about it. But yeah, yeah well, thanks for plugging it, mate. I have launched my new sofa range this week and I'm chuffed to bits with it. It's, the, the big thing about it, if, if you don't mind me mentioning it, is, the, is how sustainable it is. It's a bit of a game changer, like genuinely. So I've been working with the team for most of this year, kind of being a bit of a pain in the backside, kind of saying, why don't we do it like that? Why don't we do it like that? And pushing them and pushing them as hard as I could to me the most sustainable sofa in the business, really. So this might sound all a bit geeky and nerdy, but it's stable free. So in the upholstery business, right, they use millions and millions and millions of stables. You're constantly kind of stabling fabric through the timber frames. And that makes it hard, really, to recycle and repurpose. So fabrics get damaged and you can't really reuse the timbers because they're so packed out with stables. So this is one of the first stable-free sofas in the world, which is a, a big game changer for the industry. But even the fabrics were picked up green and sustainable. They're kind of stain-free, spillage-free, so easy to clean. And yeah, on top of all that, obviously, it's got to tick every single other box. You know, it's got to look good, mega comfortable, good fabric range, nice color range and stuff like that. So, but the sustainability side is just massive. You know what it's like at the minute. Everybody wants to be as green and sustainable as possible. So I'm, I'm hoping that'll appeal to lots of people when they see it in the showrooms. So it's the only bit of guilt you'll have with this sofa is when you're lying on it after an argument. That's the only bit of guilt with this sofa. The only one, yeah. And I mean, I should try and design a fully guilt-free sofa, shouldn't I? I should try and do that. The piggy bank guilt-free sofa. We could come up with a whole range together. Mate. Yeah, there's maybe a small confessional with a small priest in it that you can sit on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You've just given me another part. Now I need to design the kind of, the perfect therapy sofa, don't I? You know, when you think about therapists, I always say lie down on the sofa while they chat away to them. So maybe I should do that as well. A kind of confessional therapy sofa. We're going down a, a, an amazing route here, mate. I'm on I 15% mean, the, possi- here, George, 15%. Mate, the, mate, you're in. The possibilities are absolutely endless. You're coming up with some great ideas. I'm well impressed. What's your sofa like at home? Come on, be honest. I, I've got quite a, a new one, actually, but it's I've, I've made a mistake where I bought one where it's the cushions, the... the they're too squashy at the back, so you're forever plumping them out to make it look like it did in the showroom. But in terms of comfort, yeah, 10 out of 10. You get all these endorsements and everything else like that as a, as a TV presenter. And obviously people want to be attached to your name, but you became a TV presenter completely by accident, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. I didn't even want to do it. 
if I'm going to be really brutally honest with you. Yeah, I was, yeah, I still am an architect, but that was my business. We had a building company. That's my passion. That's my love. I was teaching at a couple of universities at the time, part-time. Um, I love teaching students, really enjoyed it. And the university said, oh, you need to do research. You can't just teach the students. It was when kind of universities changed, you know, become, becoming even more research-based. Then they asked me to write a book. I got a book agent, didn't realize the book agent was also a broadcasting agent. Signed for her on a Thursday. She called me on the Monday and said, you fancy doing television? And I went, no. And she said, go on, why don't you go on for a screen test? I've just been talking to a, a production company in a channel about a, a property series and they'd love to talk to you. And I went, no, I don't want to do it. And then she called me on the Tuesday and said, I mean, this sounds like a Craig David song now, doesn't it? So she rang me on the Monday. Can't wait said, for Wednesday. Anyway, go on. She said, have you thought about what we talked about yesterday? Um, I said, no, I don't want to do it. And she said, well, I've booked you in for the screen test at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning and, and got the job by Thursday. It's and then still said, no, I still said, no, I said, no, I still don't want to do it. But you know, then they just, you know, my agent was like, look, give it a go. See if you enjoy it. See if you're any good at it. And yeah, the rest is history as they say. Yeah. But it's a certain thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm from Liverpool myself. You're, you're from Sunderland. I don't know, the opportunities when we were younger, those type of things weren't for us, were they? They were, they were for people in London. or, or you know, It was that mentality you had where you, complete imposter syndrome on these things. Yeah, but also, like, I'm, I'm massively passionate about my job. You know, I love buildings. I love architecture. I, I eat, sleep, and breathe them. You know, I mean, I, I left a studio yesterday where I'd done some recording and I had a bit of time to kill, and I decided to walk through London. And it was, wasn't the longest walk in the world, but it took me forever because I must have stopped about eight or nine times to look at some particular details on a building. Do you know what I mean? I know that sounds really geeky and nerdy, but I love it. You know, for me, it's like a way of life. It's not even a job. And then someone comes on and says, oh, do you want to make telly? And I was like, well, that's, that just was never on my radar. You know, and I didn't do drama when I was at school. I, I didn't do media studies. I, you know what I mean? I didn't do any of that. It was just, I used to be, I used to hate the school play. Do you know what I mean? I just wanted to play football. I was football mad. I just wanted to play football, study about design and art and buildings and architecture. So when someone says, do you fancy going to do something completely different? But in the end, I'm making programs about buildings and architecture. Do you know what I mean? So it's once, once I got my head around it, I just thought, okay, this is different. But actually, it's also the same. You know, I'm redesigning people's houses. I'm visiting buildings. And it's, you know, when I think about it now, I've got the best job in the world for me. You know, it's, I've just come back from Alaska. You know, Channel 4 said, oh, do you want to go to Alaska and go and look at all the architecture and, and make a, a snow special, you know, a winter special for us before Christmas. And that's, that's amazing, that. Do you know what I mean? That's just, how lucky am I to be able to get sent around the world and, and talk about buildings? It's, it's a privilege, to be honest. So... Yeah, you're right. You know, TV, media world, not on the radar, not for northern lads like us, you know, and, and, but the opportunity came up and as reluctant as I was to take it, I'm over the moon that I did really, because it's, it's great. Although my granddad's used to say it's not a real job. No, it's not. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's just chatting, but that's, that's the key to your success. I mean, in fairness, you, you watched all my shows and you look really proud. But he was a builder, you know, he's a, he had hands like shovels, you know what I mean? He was a proper grafter. And even when I became an architect, I think he was a bit disappointed. He wanted me to be like an electrician or a plumber or a welder, you know what I mean? Even more hands-on. And yeah, he sat most of the programs and went, oh, those programs are really good, but it's not a real job, is it? And he's kind of right, but it's the, it's the warmth and the joy you bring to it that, that, that's the key. That's, that's a successful 
television show. You, you know, you live it, you breathe it. Yeah, but it's about passion, isn't it? I think that's one of the things that, uh, in the north we get really passionate about stuff. You know, when I go back to Sunderland, you know, you go to the Stadium of Light and you look at the crowds that we get, you know, even when we were in League One, which was a tough four years for us, you know, the the passion was unbelievable, really. And I think that's something that's that's in my blood, you know what I mean? It's It's something that we've got. We just, and I'm just, if I'm going to do something, I'm all in super passionate about it and you know you, you talked about how i get approached to do endorsements and all that like i mean i get bombarded which is amazing really but i say no 99 times out of 100 really because if i'm going to do something i've got to have the time to do it properly i'm all in i'm fully invested in it it's it's something that i'm re- I'd, I'd need to be really passionate about doing it before i jump in because i, I think i think life's just too short to be getting involved in things that you're not hundred percent about really. I'm kind of, I'm all or nothing. You know what I mean? It, seems you, it, well, it does. And it comes across in your TV shows. And when you do these, these TV shows, it's the kind of, they, they follow the, you know, that's, that's why we enjoy these, these before and after TV shows. You, you get a shell of a house or a building or whatever. And then you, you see the amazing pictures at the end that, you know, people have produced a, an unbelievable space, an amazing space. Good name for a show. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a good great name it's, for a show. It's good. good. But, but it, it, it shows like how important the home is. I mean, it's really important. I and mean, we've talked a lot today about sofas as a piece of design and how important that is to your house, but it's everything else as well. You know, there's so many other important elements. It's about bringing all those together as a designer to create something that's that's beautiful and comfortable and, but also reflects the family that live there. I mean, I always say that your home is like an extended member of your family, really. It, it crafts the way you live. It crafts how you come together. It's, it's, you know, if I asked you anything about the house that you grew up in as a kid, I bet you, you could remember it. Do you know what I mean? I bet if I asked you about, I don't know what the cardboard was like or what wallpaper you had in your bedroom or. Even if I made you really think about how many steps you used to go up the staircase and where it used to turn, I bet you'd remember that from the house that you lived in when you were eight, nine, ten years old. So it's, we might not all be architects or trained as home designers, but your home becomes a very special, powerful environment that really, it stays with you. You know, it, it does craft who you are. I mean, I remember, I can remember exactly how many steps there were on my mom's staircase. I remember which one used to, which step used to squeak. You know, if I used to sneak down on the morning on Christmas morning, you know, when Santa left my presents out and I'd sneak down before my mum and dad got up, I'd always make sure I stepped over that step on the turn on the landing because it was the creakiest one and my mum would knew that I'd got up. But I think everyone's like that. I think everyone remembers it, it kind of, it, it, it kind of merges into you. It becomes part of your subconscious really. And I think that's. That for me is why your home is the most powerful piece of architecture in your life. You know, we can, we love visiting lovely buildings, don't we? But you might go to galleries or museums or you might have a lovely art deck or cinema nearby and they're, they're all lovely things to visit. But going back home is a very, very powerful thing. You know what I mean? Even if you've gone on holiday, mate, for, for two weeks or man, had a great holiday, you've had the most fantastic time. You're kind of ready to go home, aren't you? And that's because it's a very special, important place. Yeah, it defines you. Because I mean, how many people say, "Well, I came from a council house," and et cetera, et cetera. That's sort of the first thing they talk about is the where they came from and the home they lived in. Yeah, my mum still lives in the council house that I was brought up in. You know, my mum moved in there. I think 1979. She moved into the house that she's in now, and I still love it. I absolutely love going back. You know, it's still 
there's nothing to it. It's a very simple house, very affordable house, but it's, it's, it's our home. That's, that's the most important thing. And I think, you know, that's why, even if I'm talking about the sulfur and how much, how important that is, I genuinely believe that, you know, I really, really believe it. It's the sort of thing that you remember and it makes a difference. And the, f the first thing you said, when I said, talk about your sulfur, you just said about how comfortable it was, you know, you went 10 out of 10 super comfortable. That's, that's a big deal. That shows how much of an impact it's had on you really, which is really good. But make sure you buy one of mine next, will you? Well, I will do on 15% discount on that as well. <laughs> how do you go about choosing these people? And are there times when you look at it and you get there to start, you think this, this isn't going to be good. This is going to be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, we've got a whole team of researchers. We've got lots of people that apply to the show. You know, people go through the channel four website. There's a kind of channel four take part website where people can, can apply to be on the series. So as you can imagine, you know, we get bombarded and then we've got to look at diversity of bills and where they're loca located and timings as well. I mean, obviously timing's really important. If someone's going to take 10 years to do a house up, you know, we can't feature that on a program where we've only got a year and a half. So all of that take like has to be taken into consideration, but I mean, it's quite rare that I turn up and think this is not going to work, you know, no matter how bad a house is. I'll give it a go to, to get it transformed. You know what I mean? And you know, we, we, we turn them all around in the end, to be honest with you. So whether it's amazing spaces or remarkable renovations from tree houses on amazing spaces to more serious buildings, if you like, where we're doing big conversion projects, we, we always get there in the end somehow as, as turbulent as the building process might be. Yeah. We end up getting them finished, which is fantastic really. So yeah. Lots, lots more George Clark programs, George Clark titles programs coming out over the next year. Well, it's the best, it's the best way to do it when your name's George Clark, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'll take that. Well, cheers for speaking to us, George. I wish you luck with the new series and of course, with the new range of sofas. George Clark of Amazing Spaces and many other TV shows speaking on podcast radio. And for more big name interviews, just go to the website, podcastradionetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.